Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alvstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alvstead, and I'm here, as always, with Mr. Keith Myers. Keith, it's almost spring. Uh, it's uh, all the little, uh, I don't know, which little teeny flowers that come up out of the ground are already out of the ground, and the trees are starting to blossom early and all that good stuff up there. Um, how are you doing, man? Uh, the allergies are strong this year already. <laughs> Yes, that that is a consequence. Yeah, it is. And, and but the thing is, it's it, the spring and early summer um, up here in the Pacific Northwest is some of the greatest combination of just natural beauty and and weather and all of that you'll ever find. And I love it here. And I don't care that a little bit of allergies will make it hard to breathe for a couple months. Yeah, it's it's a little dry here for allergies. I I mean, there's some grass allergies and all that kind of stuff here in the Phoenix area, uh, but like today is like 81 degrees, blue sky, just a little hint of a slight breeze, and it just feels so good. Like the warmth on my body, I I I miss Oregon. I miss uh, the Portland area where I used to live before I I moved from Seattle, and. Uh, I just like the heat on my bones. You know, it, it's I've I've reached that point in my life where that somehow takes priority over over scenic beauty. I mean, there's still some scenic beauty here. It's just different, but it's definitely warm, and I like it. So, Keith, what's on tap for today, man? So today, what we're going to do uh, is we are going to go through position by position, and each of us are going to uh, kind of profile a couple of players from each position that were at the combine which is now over and um, that look sea hockey which i know is a word right it um so just athletically they kind of they kind of fit the profile uh they may or may not be well known uh i intentionally stayed away from players in at the top of the draft no matter how sea hockey they look because the seahawks don't have a pick at the top of the draft. Their first pick is 27 and they will trade down from there. So their probably first pick is around 32 or 34. And so I tried to stay from there down into round seven with all I my tried players. To, I tried and, to kind of do that too. Did I ever tell you yeah. that I, uh, I actually own seahockey.com? No. Oh, it's I, just, I think it's you just, did. It's just sitting in my like .com warehouse and I'm, I'm kind of holding on to it for, I don't know what, but it it's just been one of those terms that's gone around the Seahawk kind of lore for 10, 12 years now since Pete Carroll showed up. And uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but it's, it sounded cool. And one day I had a couple of beers and decided to buy it and it was available. So, so I did the same thing, Keith. I got players uh, at every position, two players, some of the guys that I thought stood out, Seahawky kind of guys, Maybe even not see hockey kind of guys, but guys that I thought performed well that, that interests me, um, that I thought maybe everyone would have an opportunity to uh, to take a look at. Um, so, what are we going to do, Keith? We're we going through the offense and then the defense. Yeah, let's do that. Let's start with quarterback, simply because um, I went through the list of 
of quarterbacks that were at the combine and worked out so I could actually look at athletic profiles and, and see, hey, is there a guy, is there a Travone, Travone Boykin or, um, you know, that kind of guy who uh, was there that might interest Seattle for that backup role that can do some Russell Wilson things, just not at the same level. And there wasn't any. So I said, forget it and yeah. skip it. So that's you, why I, I'm saying I can't make a hundred percent promise that I picked every single person on my list from the combine. I tried and that's where the, definitely that's where the focus is. But there's, there's a couple of guys I think that I probably pulled out of outside the combine just to give me a chance to talk about a, a couple of guys. Okay. So let's um, go ahead and let's start there then. Okay. So the first guy on my list is James Morgan, uh, Florida international. Um, he's probably, I'm going to say fifth, sixth, seventh round. If he drops sort of a guy, uh, six, four, two twenty nine. uh, it's a little plotter. He's kind of a plotter, uh, at 4.8940. So he's not going to like give you a lot of pocket movement, all that kind of stuff, more of a traditional pocket passer. Um, and the good news is he's patient in the pocket. He's got a quick release, NFL arm strength, handles pressure well. He limits his mistakes, even though he's like a, he's a gunslinger. He's got kind of a gunslinger mentality. Um, he kind of slings it around a little bit, which is kind of one of his faults and why he's probably later in the draft. His footwork and consistency and anticipation and mechanics and that gunslinger kind of thing, when you have those faults, gets you in a little bit of trouble. So while he's not a huge interception machine there, he does get himself into trouble a little bit just because he, he wings the ball quite a bit, especially to avoid a sack or whatever. Instead of taking a sack or throwing it out of bounds or whatever, he'll, he'll wing it. Um, but yeah, that's my guy. Uh, I've got another one as well, but, um, did you, you said you didn't have one? I didn't have any that I was like enamored with. The only one that I considered putting on the list would have been a, uh, Steven Montez from, uh, Colorado. Um, but he, I saw in a mock today that he was mocked to Seattle in like the fourth round or fifth round or something. Yeah. I mean, he's six, four, He's a big guy who has some athleticism, but then I just started looking and I'm like, yeah, I just don't see the type of traits that would make me want to use a draft pick on him when you've already got Russell Wilson and yeah. you're there. The team kind of has this history of going and getting a Geno Smith or, or, you know, some sort of former starter backup now veteran that they can kind of plug in there and do some. It is kind of wild that they have either gone undrafted or seventh round or whatever. Um, and never really got a guy to develop behind Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson has just been magic. I mean, talk about a guy that's taken every single snap that he's wanted to take in the NFL so far in his career. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, it, to me, I have always thought that the Seahawks, especially given Schottenheimer in the, in the offense now, would take a guy, a younger guy, and try to develop somebody over a little bit of time, at least maybe to turn that into a some sort of asset that you could turn out at some point and it uh, just not, there just haven't been that kind of a team. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that because you, so Schottenheimer has a lot of faults as an offensive coordinator, but what he is, is a fantastic quarterback coach. That's how, why he keeps getting offensive coordinator gigs and why there's so many offensive coordinator or so many quarterbacks out there like, um, Drew Brees and, um, uh, the guy from the chargers. 
Uh, Rivers. Rivers, come. Going brain dead today. Um, who Both of which just swear by Schottenheimer um, and say that he's amazing. So, um, because he's a great coach. So what would be what would be the drawback of bringing in a guy, um, you know, from Florida International? Especially, yeah, especially an undrafted guy. Or, you know, like the, the next guy that I'm going to bring up uh, would be a perfect a perfect candidate for that sort of a scenario uh, that you bring in and Schottenheimer get a hold of him and improve all the things that he needs to be improved on. Uh, t- highly cultural kind of guy, uh, sixth seventh round undrafted. Uh, prospect Kelly Bryant out of Missouri, six three mm-hmm. and an eighth, two hundred and twenty nine pounds, thirty two inch arms, ran a four six nine forty. So uh, better than average speed for a quarterback at that size, um, thirty five inch uh, vertical. So he's got some kind of athletic traits, arm talent, nice touch. I watched some tape of these two guys just before we got on today between James Morgan and Kelly Bryant. I actually like Kelly Bryant better than James Morgan, and James Morgan's higher rated um, by most draft boards. Um, Kelly Bryant just looks the part to me. He just needs a little bit more seasoning. Um, He's got some running athletic ability, extends plays. His downfield accuracy is actually pretty well. Solid footwork in the pocket. Um, He's got a little wiggle in the the pocket awareness kind of thing. He needs to throw uh, work on his throwing mechanics, the mental game, the poise, all things that kind of can be coached. Um, he actually began the, uh, his career at Clemson 2015-2018 before transferring in 19. And he, he he transferred because Trevor Lawrence beat him out. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to beat out 9 out of 10 quarterbacks in college football. Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, this guy's a perfect prospect. I, like I said, I watched some film of him today and he just looks the part. He looks competent. He looks like a guy you could really develop and as a, as a backup. I like that idea. Even if it's like a practice squad guy, you keep on the practice squad the whole year and maybe you do bring a Geno Smith back, but you develop this guy next year, Geno Smith's gone. This guy's kind of ready to step in the number two role. That would be cool. Yeah. That would be kind of a cool uh, way to do it. I, I just, to me, you just have that great resource in Schottenheimer. Use it. Develop a quarterback. Like, rather than keep going out and spending two, two and a half million dollars every year on a backup, go develop a young guy that's costing you, you know, yeah, half a million. And one of these years, we're going to need it. You know, I mean, just knock on wood all you want. That's great. Yeah. You know, it's it's just one of those things that it's nice to be able to have. Okay. So let's move on. Let's go and move on to running backs because the CX actually might, they might actually take a running back, which I think so. So let's talk about that for half a second before we talk about the players. So the deal is Penny's hurt ACL. He's not going to be ready for camp. Likely Mm -hmm. may not be ready for the first play of the season. And then you've got um, Chris Carson coming back off that hip. Uh, fracture that was non-displaced, he's, he's going to be ready. That's not the problem. The problem is what's behind Carson. Right now, that's it. That's your between-the-tackles you know, duo, and, mm-hmm. and one of them's not going to be ready. So to me, I think they solved that in free agency with a low-end kind of um, Frank Gorish kind of running back to kind of hold the fort down for you know half the season until Penny's ready. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but if they draft a guy because Chris Carson's contract year is coming up and they want somebody in place that's able to carry on that Penny uh, slash 
X running back for 2021, you might want to bring a younger guy in with, with, you know, some great upside that you can develop this year to be ready to take over that uh, primary role in 2021. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what I, let's let's go ahead and, and throw out some names for this because I went with this. I went with a guy who is would be a great fit in Seattle. Um, really athletic, big guy. Um, and that would be AJ Dillon out of Boston College. <laughs> is that is that a name you've got on yours? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh, and yeah. I mean, just a- athletically, <laughs> why, this is, he's just yeah. A guy why do you have him? Why what what made you write down his name today or or this week? <clears throat> well, I mean, if you look at uh, you know the like three sigma athlete and and look at the combined you know the the spark score, uh, he was you know. 144, which puts him in the 96th percentile of players at his position, despite being six foot and 247 pounds. Um, big. He's, a, guy. he's a monster, dude. He's a big guy with a lot of athleticism. I mean, he's not super fast at four, five, three, but that's not slow for a running back. Um, you know, good 10 yard split, good three cone, just. Uh, good bench press, good vert, just like athletically, just solid all the way across good the board. Vert, forty-one inch vertical for a guy that size, dude, unreal. Yeah, and and so to have all of that in a guy that weighs two forty-seven, I mean, you're talking about a punishing runner between. Yes, the I wrote that word down myself. So he was, he's kind of my my wish list guy, and when I started looking at you know draft boards to see where other people have him placed. He's not really thought of as a a guy. I who's found that really kind hot. of interesting. I yeah. think he's going to be a riser. I think, I think so that too. The workout at the at the combine probably uh, opens some eyes and will give uh, teams a chance to kind of go back and look at some film to mm-hmm. see where he fits. But you know, I I did watch some film today about uh, a seven eight minute cut up um, of him running and just the balance and the quick feet for this the size and the patience and the the thick lower body that he has his legs are like trunks dude he reminds me of james connor that running back for pittsburgh i think you and i kind of highlighted like a couple years three ago. years ago yeah. right we both really uh, liked Derek, him. Derek henry kind of that guy mm-hmm. um tackle breaker spin moves for a guy that was 247 pounds his spin moves like freaked me out like it was it was crazy he would spin and totally keep his balance and forward momentum and i was and and then and then deliver the hit, you know. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't he wouldn't absorb as many hits as he actually delivered, which was just unreal to me. So if if the draft boards are right and you can get this guy in the fourth round, you're talking about getting a guy in the fourth round that could be a starter and a big time playmaker. Um, yeah, I don't know that if Seahawks and and they've done this. If the Seahawks really want him and he's their guy and he's their highest rated running back on their board, I think he he probably comes off in the third round for them. Yeah, they wouldn't. They may not wait because if you're right, if they really want the guy, they'll take him earlier than everyone else thinks they should, just to make sure they get him. And, and I wouldn't be opposed player. to that. You know, here's the deal. You know, uh, there's a lot of people talking about Jonathan Taylor, and rightly so. For the Seahawks, he's he's a pro, you know, he's a prolific guy at the college level at, for Wisconsin. Um, five eleven, two sixteen. He's not on my list, by the way. I'm just mm-hmm. going to say this, but, but he's going to end up going at the back end of the first round. 
do you really want the Seahawks to draft a running back in the first round again after the Penny situation? I'm not sure. And there's a couple, two, three, four guys in this draft. If you look at the draft boards and you look at um, what everybody's talking about in the, in the profiles that the Seahawks like to have, there's guys that are available in that third, fourth, fifth round that I think could come in and develop uh, behind Chris Carson in 2020 and kind of be ready to step up a little bit more in 2021. That's what I would do because of the need, the sheer need level at other positions uh, take precedence over having a, a, a high-end starting running back. We already have that. We need a complimentary guy. This would be perfect, A.J. Dillon. My second guy, though, on my list was uh, Cam Akers yep. out of Florida State. Third, third round-ish guy, fourth round maybe if he drops to the fourth. I would snatch him up in a heartbeat. I watched a, a, some film on him today as well, I guess, you know, seven, eight minutes. And he's a completely different guy than A.J. Dillon. He's 5'10 and 3'8s. But uh, 217 pounds, so more typical of a Seahawk running back. Uh, 4 4 7 40, though, really opened some eyes. It opened my eyes at the combine um, with the with the 4 4 2 short shuttle, 35 inch vertical um, acceleration, burst, and balance were evident on the on the film um, more so than AJ Dillon. AJ Dylan is going to run you over and he's going to run between the tackles. He's going to do it very well. Cam Akers can get to the outside. When he gets there, he can turn it up and, and go. He's got that kind of burst to him. Um, and he's when, when he gets out in the open field, he's elusive and he's a better pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, so to me, uh, it's a toss up between those two because AJ Dillon's like the, uh, you you think punishing and you just think Seahawks, right? You mm -hmm. want that Seahawk mentality to inflict pain when we uh, when we run the ball. Cam Akers is more of a he's kind of like a Chris Carson. I think he can give you some of that power, but he's you know he's got some juke to him and, and a little bit more speed than Chris Carson does. Yeah, um, I that would be another one that I, I think would be a great fit. I tried to go um, a little bit off. Uh, the beaten path uh, for my other one and trying to read my notes here. Uh, <laughs> um, it's hard so, to do. Yeah. Uh, you should see them because this is what happens when I, <laughs> when I, um, instead of normally I do all of this digitally, but to, for yeah. some reason this week I decided to write it all down. I'm, um, I'm old school. I write it all down because I did digitally is I, I like to be able to do it digitally and, but it's hard for me when I'm trying to like cram all sorts of notes and stuff into what I'm, what I want to say. So I was going to say, uh, James Robinson from Illinois state. Um, and you know, he's the guy that is on, on nobody's radar, whatever, like, um, but he's five, nine kind of short, but two nineteen, um, and just good athletic, uh, you know, athletic numbers and that kind of stuff. I mean, we're talking like, um, well above average, uh, as far as all of his uh, testing, the one where where would you look for him in the draft? Round seven. I mean, he he's like Chris Carson was um, because he's a little slower. He at the four point six four is not going to excite anyone at, in his um, his forty. But everything else is very good. His you know everything from his three cone, his uh, bench press, his broad jump, his vert, um, all are great. So he's got these tremendous agility, explosiveness numbers, but just doesn't have that high-end top speed. 
well, go look at Chris Carson, you know, a few years ago. Chris Carson ran in the mid five fives. Yeah. I I mean, he's, he was never a guy that was thought of as a, as a speed guy, uh, but he had great athletic numbers in terms of the explosiveness uh, categories. And this is a guy that I think fits in that very similar role. uh, And you can get him way later. Nice. I like it. I mean, absolutely. That I mean, that's typically where the Seahawks, I think, would want to get a running back is that sixth, seventh round undrafted free agent sort of a, a deal. And if a guy fits the bill um, and they can take a chance on him, sure. And a guy like that, too, can play special teams. Absolutely. Um, okay. So you want to go wide receiver? Let's go wide receiver because wide receiver is one of those where they could take a guy early. They could take a guy late and they could do both. Uh, so there's just a lot. That's true. There's a lot there that we can like work with, um, as far as it just really opens up who, who might they want? And then there's just so many different guys, um, to well, look where at. have, where have the Seahawks typically taken wide receiver? I know that they, they got, um, Medcalf, you know, at the back end of the second round, but that was somewhat high for Seattle. Yep. Uh, Tyler Lockett was in the third round, I, I believe. He was the end, uh, of, end of round two. Um, but uh, they went and got Paul Richardson early round two. Um, and, but then they've also drafted a lot of fourth round guys that haven't really worked out. Um, you know, and so it's, it's, it is interesting that they, uh, they, they do have guys they've drafted all over. I mean, um, David Moore was drafted in the seventh round. So, uh, there's, they have this history of getting guys just kind of in a lot of different places in the draft. They're not quite as, as like dialed in as far as, Oh, they usually only take cornerbacks in, you know, rounds four and five. Um, it, it's, it's more open-ended. And I think we could, this would be a year where we could see them take a couple and just really see how everyone, you know, kind so of shakes who's, out. who's the first guy on your list. Well, I thought about going with, you know, Denzel Mims, but we talked about him, uh, if not last I left, week I left before. him off my list just because I thought you would talk about him. Yeah. So <laughs> um, what I wanted to do was to to, to get a, a similar guy, and I went with um, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, yeah. And so we're talking about a guy who doesn't – he's out of Michigan. I forgot to mention that. 6'2", 212, good athletic numbers uh, overall, but then he doesn't really have the production uh, at Michigan. And part of that's because Michigan's offense has been pretty anemic. Uh, and part of it is that he he really needs to – like his route running is unrefined despite being um, a multi-year starter. So he's a more of a project – but he's an athletic project with a high upside and I could see him going, you know, round three, round four uh, in there. And that's kind of like the right range for Seattle, I think this year. But like I said, they could still surprise us and go with one early. What kind of a wide receiver is he? Is he more of a slot guy, a possession receiver, outside guy? He's, he can really, I mean, he's one of those guys that you can move inside. He's not like, um, He's more like uh, Jermaine Curse was, where you can play him in the slot, you can play him on the outside, you can have him do stuff on special teams. He can kind of do a little of everything. He's not a guy that like Doug Baldwin, who excelled pretty much only in the slot, um, or a guy like uh, DK Metcalf that really has to be on the outside. Uh, so he he's one of those guys you can kind of move inside and out. Nice. Uh, maybe he can play better than the last guy we had from Michigan. Yeah, hopefully. 
Um, so I've got a couple of comps for, for mine. So the first receiver I'm going to talk about comps to kind of David Moore. He would take the David Moore role in the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of a third, fourth round kind of guy would be Antonio Gandhi-Golden out of Liberty U. Yep. Um, I just like the way that he moved at the Combine. Um, he ran okay. I thought he was going to run a little faster. He ran like a 4.6, um, high 4.5s. Um, but he's a, he's an interesting guy. He's 6'4", 223. So he's very big. He looks big on film, too. Physically, mm-hmm. he's just got a thick frame. But he's, he's, he's got the run after catch ability because he trucks people. He just runs over people. Like I've, I saw him throw a couple of different, uh, two different plays. I saw him throw the cornerback off him. Like, uh, you know, the, the beast mode, stiff arms. He just reminds me of that guy where he just throws guys off him just like they were little toys. It was pretty, pretty funny. So he is a red zone threat, uh, creates mismatches. He'd be that third wide receiver role that kind of runs down on the outside and, uh, based on his frame alone would be able to create mismatches and go up and high point the ball and all that kind of stuff. So to me, I thought it, it was kind of that third wide receiver role, not necessarily slot guy or anything like that, more of an outside guy. The other guy that I did though, was kind of a comp to golden Tate, which would be more of a, he can play both outside, but he can slide inside as well for you. And that's, and I mentioned him last week, uh, the Devin, uh, Duvernay out of mm-hmm. Texas, uh, five, ten and a half, two hundred pounds, ran a four, three, nine, forty. Seahawks would love that time. Four point two zero short shuttle, seven point one three three cone, thirty five inch vertical, super athletic, run after catch type guy, thick like lower body thickness um, mm-hmm. in his legs, reminding me of Golden Tate. Just his upper body's thick too, big arms, uh, best hands in the class, route runner plus. Um, classic inside slot receiver, uh, home run threat, sort of a guy. If you can get that guy in open space, he's gone. Um, and that was, that was it. Yeah. I like that pick. Uh, anytime you can get it, he looks like a running back, like his body, yes, exactly. his body, he's built more like a running back than a wide receiver. Um, which is the type of guy that you play in the slot because you get him the ball in the open field with, um, some space in front of them and he can make, uh, cornerbacks and safeties look silly, and uh, so I, I like that pick. I like that um, that as a as a possible. I don't know if that's a great um, need, simply because you already have Tyler Lockett, um, who can kind of do a lot of those things. I don't want to take touches away from Lockett, but 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 t- they play Tyler Lockett so much on the outside as they well. They do but... right now, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I mean, you you can move you can move him all over. Um, you know, lock it, and so it is one of those things where you can never have enough talent. Um, uh, and so you get a, an option like that. Well, yeah, that's just now now Lockett's more of an outside guy, you know, exclusively because he can do that. Um, and, and you have a guy that goes inside rather than sliding uh, Lockett all over the place. So I'm not going to say no. I just didn't. That's just why I didn't pick him. Um, but it's a good a good player and one that I I did definitely thought of. Um. What if we go for my other one, um, Joe Reed out of Virginia. Um, we're talking about a guy who's like way down the list um, it, again. And so now we're talking, you know, late sixth, early seventh round, uh, 6'1", 224 guy, doesn't have great speed, um, but again, is a guy that has good 
athletic testing numbers. He's got some explosiveness to him, some agility. Um, he's just not a a, a burner that's going to get deep on a guy. Instead, he's a slot receiver. He's a big slot receiver at six one, but he's a slot receiver who can uh, who plays really smart, finds seams, gets open uh, in the middle, not afraid to take a hit because he's you know a bigger guy. It's not as bad as you know if when you got you know, like that five eight one eighty guy, and that you don't want them taking hits ever. Um, and blocks well and just does a lot of those little things and can be used as a special teamer. He was uh, a kick returner and is and a punt returner. And one of those guys that just kind of ate up yards in that role because of his ability to just get forward and just run downhill um, and not try and dance around and that kind of stuff. So he was always picking up positive yardage and helping his team that way. And I, for a guy that you're going to get in round six, round seven, I think that would be a good fit. Joe Reed. Awesome. Nice. I like it. That's a good pick. I don't know anything about him. I, it's, it's off my radar. I mean, yeah. I just, I have no idea. Didn't, haven't even heard that name before. I'm so trying, that's, but that's why of, we're here, though, A right? lot of these I mean, today is, I, honestly, I did try and go off radar on a bunch of these just because nice. it's not fun when you're, when you're talking about the same, like, you know, 10, 15 players every week. So just trying to, trying to give us some, some interesting uh, people to talk about. Who do you got for tight ends? So tight end, I've got one, which I'm pretty sure we're both going to have. Um, and that's Adam Troutman. Out of I, don't, I didn't write him down because really? he did athletically test crate. But I thought we already have a really good uh, kind of uh, move tight end kind of guy. And I thought he would fit that role pretty well. Yeah, but it, at 255 pounds, like I think he has the size to, to be more of a Nick Vanette. Luke Wilson kind of do everything player and not just be the move tight end. And at six, five, you know, he, he, man, he tested well, he did. He tested, he tested really well. Um, and, and so I just, I saw him as a guy. Yes. He's more of a mood t- move tight end now because his blocking technique is not great, but it's not like he is, he gets pushed around. He doesn't have, it's not like he, a lack of functional core strength. He just doesn't get his arms extended properly and that kind of stuff. These are really coachable things. Are you worried at all about him coming from a smaller school? I mean, where would you have to get him? Um, so I've got him, you know, in the fourth round around pick pick 100. So early in, early in round four. And I'm not in that range. No, I'm not worried about it. No, if I had to, if I had to go take him in a second round, or, you know, early third, something like that, I'd be like, mm, no, I'm, uh, to me, now you're, you're playing too much on upside and not enough on what they can help do, you know, get you right now. And you, for me, those are guys that you need to wait on and, and take like in the fourth or the fifth, because. Well, the word, word has it that he played very well at the senior bowl against a uh, mm-hmm. better competition than he faced in college. And so that's a good sign. Agreed. Who do you have? Give me one. Um, I've got two. I'm going to do my my second one first, only because I'm excited to talk about him. If I can pronounce his last name. Okay. Uh, Albert Okowebunaham. Uh, <laughs> I, I watched some tape on him today, and the announcers just called him Albert O. And yeah, I, I like say, it. I like that. I, Albert I, O. I guarantee whatever you just said, it was probably wrong. <laughs> 
And yeah. Uh, tight end out of Missouri, 6'5, 260. He looks like he's 275. Um, ran a, <laughs> ran a 4'4940, uh, which shocked me. Like everyone was projecting him to be in the 4'6 range because he looks so big. Um, he's crazy. 6'4 and a half, 255, 260 pounds, 4'4940. Um, he's a good blocker. He's strong, physical, you know, run blocker, white and line tight end. Um, but he's got the total upside on the receiving. So I watched film on him and he can actually catch the ball, turn it upfield and, and go drives back defenders though. In the run game, that's where they would start him at, um, out at, uh, you, you've already got Greg Olson. You're going to have Disley. Those guys are going to be your one, two punch right out of the gate. But a guy like uh, Albert O could come in and take that George Fant role right away, be that sixth offensive lineman, that tight end, that that guy that helps out on the right side um, for a slower uh, offensive tackle, possibly. Um, we don't know what exactly we're going to have with Fetty yet, but uh, I, I would imagine you're going to have sort of the same profile over there, kind of a, the slower of the two tackle prospects would play on the right side. This guy would help out a lot with that. I I liked him. I mean, he just looks like one of those guys. One yeah, of the, sea, I, the sea hockey guy. He does. And the, the thing that that um with him that I mean, other than the fact that I can't pronounce his last name, uh he reminds me a little bit of uh Will Disley in that Disley was a guy who was known as purely a blocker. Not a guy that you should ever expect That's true. anything from as a um as a pass receiver. Because athletically, he just didn't have the athleticism that you'd expect for a guy that could get open and, and make plays downfield. And what happened? He came in, he changed his diet, he changed his workout routine, he did, um, did some things to activate those quick muscle, uh, or quick quick twitch, quick twitch muscles, um, and you know, pick up a little bit of, of athleticism. Um, in there, and suddenly he has all this upside and looked great in a Seahawk uniform. Um, and, and so we were, we're talking about a guy that, you know, he's going to be seen in draft circles as a blocking guy, but then you look at his athletic numbers and you go, there's upside there. There's potential there. We need to work on it. We need to get him to that role, that spot, but he could come in, especially for the Seahawks that value blocking above all else in a tight end. He could come in and make an impact right away. And knowing that in a year or in two years, he could be make an impact in the passing game as well. I like that as a sea hockey player. Yeah, I do too. You know, and I think he's going to give you more upside than, than not, especially in the red zone. This guy could be a red zone guy, especially with the four, four, nine speed. You get down inside the 20, this guy could run some really nice routes um, to get open down in the red zone. Cause he's going to be a matchup nightmare for somebody. Um, so anyway, go ahead. What do you got? So for my last tight end, um, I again went kind of off the radar and uh, went with uh, Dalton. Who was your Keen. first tight? Who was your first tight end? Troutman. We already talked Troutman. About that's right. That's right. Yep. That's right. Okay. Um, so I went with uh, Dalton Keene. I did of too. Virginia Tech. Oh, so that you have, you got him too. See, yep. for okay, when you're you're just looking at pure athlete, this guy like he just jumped out of the building uh, when it came to his testing. Just incredible. Um, you know, at explosive numbers uh, in terms of just 
like over 10 feet in the broad jump, despite his size. Um, 10 and at, a half. Yeah. 10 and at, a half. At 10, you know, 253 pounds, 6'4, um, and just solid numbers across the board. I know that the um, 47140 is not going to excite a lot of people, but his three cone, his shuttle are it's good. faster than Will Disley ran. Yeah, his bench press is good. His vert's good. His broad jump. He, there's just a level of explosiveness there. Um, this is a guy is a great athlete, especially for his size. And literally, he's just not on anybody's draft radar. Um, True. I went and looked at uh, you know Rob Rang and and that team uh, draft board on uh, CBS, and he, they have him listed at two hundred uh, what is it two hundred eighty nine um, at tight end, and that's just like crazy low um for a guy with that much athletic upside and i get okay there's parts of him he's yeah. you know he's he's more well project, he's kind of a but... jacob Pollister kind of guy without quite the speed um you know he's a willing run blocker but he's a lean build i mean if you go look at him between dalton keen and albert o albert o's like a truck and dalton keen looks like a wide receiver compared to him he does um, but but at the same time what that tells me is that you know, he has room on his frame to move from 253 to 260 and still maintain that athleticism. Um, and you get a guy that's, you know, pushing 260, 263, 265, that has that kind of explosiveness on there. You're talking about a guy who can make a real impact. Uh, and you're also talking about a guy in the sixth round. Yeah, if you can get him to come in and block a little bit, I think that would be his best option right away. I mean... You know, when you watched him, and I watched, you know, his his cut up as well, mostly a dump off guy, the way that they used him, screens, uh, release guy off the line of scrimmage um, after he, he blocks a guy, chips a guy, whatever he, he releases, uh, is it kind of a safety valve uh, more mm-hmm. than not for, for the quarterback there at Virginia Tech. Um, there's always room on a roster for a guy like that, especially a guy like Dalton Keene is willing uh, to do special teams, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you can get him in the sixth or seventh round or an undrafted priority free agent, you know, if he goes undrafted, that's an ideal kind of player to me. Yeah. Um, I thought for sure that would be a nobody's talking about him uh, off the radar guy that you hadn't heard of. And yet he's on your list, too. So, yeah, you um, know, it's just interesting because you do look for certain traits um, yeah. that you want to have on the team. And that's he's he's kind of got those and he fits the bill. So, OK, so let's go. Let's go from that to. Uh, the opposite, at least for me, um, and that would be offensive tackle because both the guys that I've picked are in the top 100 players. Yeah, I think me me too. Uh, so we'll see who you've got because it'll be interesting. Go ahead. Go, so what's let, your first one? Let's start with um, and primarily right tackle. For me, I did right tackles because yeah. we've already got our left tackle and yep. right tackle is totally in flux right now. So so I my my first um, my first take there would, would have been austin jackson um usc yeah uh, six like five him. six five three twenty two i think he's gonna go uh early round two maybe somewhere around 35 um he might push up into the, the bottom around one as a right tackle um but this is a guy that so just, he's a trade back guy for you yeah and he just or the cx have um you know multiple second round picks so maybe it can be one of those situations where they can get um you know, get him with, with one of those and, and, and do that. But this is a guy. That so just, do you see him being like the, the fifth offensive tackle off the board then? Uh, After like uh Werfs and uh, 
Jedrick Willis, I think is his name. How about that Becton guy that, that tested really well at the combine? I thought Becton is more more likely to move inside to guard. Um, although really? he's six seven, which makes it hard to move inside to guard. I just think that he's kind of that that he's a little he's three sixty four and his he yeah, tested, but he ran like a four. Oh yeah, five or something like that, right? He his his tests his testing was outstanding, but his tape he just showed a, like he looked a little slow. Uh, although his testing says that maybe they were you know asking him to do some things and that, that he, he, he things can be cleaned up at the pro level and, and he can play outside. Um, but I and I expect Brecton to go way, way before the Seahawks pick. Um, uh, yeah, um, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia is probably going to go. Uh, in there as well, Josh. Yeah, Jones I like Austin Jackson, Keith. I didn't have him on my list, but definitely right in that area where if the Seahawks failed to address the situation in free agency, they will be looking for a starting caliber right tackle in the draft and likely to go in the first pick or or at the very least, they may use one of their late second round picks to try to move up a little bit to grab somebody. And he would be a great candidate for that. Yeah. So who do you have first? I have uh, Ezra Cleveland, um, Boise State. That's my second one. That's my second player. Yep. Four, nine. You and I, we talked about this before we started. We said we might have four or five. We may have six or seven. Um, Four, nine, four, 40. Boise State player, but he's a three-year starter there at left tackle. Transitions over to the right side initially uh, in the NFL, I think, at least for the Seahawks he would. And then develop that guy and move him over to the left side later on six six good size three eleven smooth mover um kind of a mirror blocker in the in the passing game so which which you want over there at the right side so he can move his feet um he's got the athletic traits he tested really well at the combine um so yeah i mean i think he can play left tackle eventually which is Hard to get in the, I think, in the second round. I, for me, if you can get him at the, you know, where we pick our one of our first picks or second picks uh, in the second round, um, would be an ideal spot for him. Um, that I could see him, but I, but it, he might end up going a little sooner. I don't know. What do you think? I think, uh, end of round two, early round three is probably where he's gonna go because I think teams are gonna look at him and they're gonna see, um, a guy who's got like the pass rushing. Uh, polish uh, and technique polish that they're going to look and be like, okay, well, if we, we're not going to make him better and teach him and increase his, his uh, ability by helping his technique, then that means he doesn't have a lot of growth room. Um, and so that makes it a little harder. Um, and, but I, you know, athletically, he, he did really well. Um, I was I was very pleased with his athletic testing numbers and and thought he looked pretty sea hockey. And as a guy, uh, I don't know if you go into uh, his rookie year expecting him to be the starter, um, but you could get him onto the field and starting by uh, you know mid season, especially if somebody gets hurt, that kind of thing. And I do like the fact that his upside is left as a left tackle. I mean, he's a guy who could, could move across. Although Austin Jackson, I believe also has those, the traits to move over and play I, left I agree. Tackle long-term too. I agree. They're both similar size. So, um, okay. So we got to rapid fire these things and finish out the offense before we can get to the defense. Okay. My second guy was Isaiah Wilson, 
six six three fifty, so he's a bigger guy. Um, could play right tackle in the NFL. He could transition to the inside, but he does have that height to be able to play on the outside. Very strong run blocking finishability. Isaiah Wilson's probably third round, early fourth round kind of grade on him. Big okay. guy, big guy. Yeah. How about okay. guard, Keith? Who do you got so, for guard? Um, so both of my guards are really low. I just never found a guy that I just like fell in love with as an earlier round guy. Um, so let's start with uh, uh, John Mulchin, Boise um, at guard. We're talking about a guy who's like sixth, seventh round, and you know down there a ways, but um, big guy, run blocker, um, and just someone that you could trust as an athlete. Uh, to be able to do all the all the things that you want them to do, get up to the second level, get to the linebackers, um, you know, not get beat by speed rushers, uh, you know, on the inside kind of thing. But he just needs he needs time to just get his feet right and not be so happy feet because he's he's just his technique is just weird. Um, so there's a lot to clean up there. But I think that uh, as a guy who you know I. I think he's a. It would be a good left guard candidate for the Seahawks at six five three oh nine. Nice. Uh, who else do you got? What's your other guy? Uh, my other guy is um, Danny Printer, or is it Pinter? Danny Pinter out of Ball State of all places. Um, you know, just a guy that can. Um, to me, you know, at 6'4", 306, again, more of a left guard than a right guard because he's more of a pass blocker. Um, but he's just got the the fun little athletic traits of, of guys with, with quicker feet than you'd expect for a guard and decent in space and his ability to find angles to find to block um you know, linebackers, it's going to be weird because with a, 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 when you start talking about guys like that, because, oh, yeah, he can find angles to, you know, to block people in space, but he played for Ball State. So what was the competition like? Can that can he find that same level of success at the next level? And so now we're talking about a guy that's, you know, he's going to be down there. He's going to be seventh round, maybe a um, priority undrafted free agent type of guy. But, you know, athletically, he's just a really interesting player. Uh, last year they picked Haynes in, I think was the fourth round, Keith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got a couple of fourth, fifth round kind of prospects in that sort of, uh, mold. Uh, Kevin Dodson from Louisiana, six four three twenty one, best run blocking grade in the class at 92.3, I thought was intriguing. Um, and the Seahawks would be intrigued by that. Uh, the other guy was Logan Stenberg out of Kentucky. Uh, something about this guy just has Seahawks written all over him. He's kind of a nasty guy that kind of gets in trouble a little bit for his nastiness. And we haven't had that since uh, Giacomini. And uh, it'd be nice to get some of that back. Plays uh, with the serious nastiness. Strong run blocker. Can play both left and right guard. Uh, in the fourth, fifth round, you kind of want a guy that can play uh, multiple spots. Um, and then for me, center. I'll just transition right into center really quick. Uh, I picked a guy that played guard in the... Um, in college football, but took center snaps at the Senior Bowl. Um, Damian Lewis, 6'2", 329, Louisiana. Uh, we have another Louisiana guy that kind of did the same thing in Ethan Posick. Run blocking power, leadership, lower body strength, anchor, play strength, smarts. Damian Lewis was my center choice, although uh, I have a feeling that yours is probably different. 
Yeah. Um, so when you start looking at centers, I mean, I started with um, Cesar Ruiz out of yeah, Michigan. He's the um, obvious choice. He is. I mean, he's he's probably the best center in the in the class. He's um, you know six two and a half, three oh seven, but extremely athletic, polished, experienced. Here's a guy you're going to probably have to take in the third round um, in order to get him. But you're talking about the best center in the class. This is. Uh, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. If you get, you know, if the Seahawks want to move on from Justin Britt and find a guy with a much higher ceiling and a much cheaper cost, uh, yeah, yes. go. But, go but you'd and, have and to get probably them. get him in the if you move back out of the first and early second. No, so I don't think so. Um, you don't think so? No, I don't, because he's, you know, he's listed. Um, Again, on um, by you know Rob Rang and the CBS guys, they have him listed as the seventy second prospect, which would have him outside of round two and in, in around three. And I think he's going to as the best center in the class. He'll go before that because anyone looking for a center is going to be like, okay, we're going to take him earlier. Um, but that's where they have him have him ranked. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe end of round two. Uh, you know what? Because the Seahawks have a lot of a lot of second round picks. They have they have two. They'll they'll, they'll get another one when they trade down. So. You'll end up with three. You go and use your second or third one, and you go get your center of the future. I think that would be a great uh, way to do that. And then, if you want to go the completely opposite route and be like, okay, well, we gotta we gotta fix the um, Joey Hunt situation at backup center because, yeah, that was terrible. Um, Keith uh, Ismael out of San Diego State, who's gonna be like a a seventh round pick, maybe a sixth round pick. Um, just again, a guy with uh, incredible athleticism for uh, an offensive lineman. He's you know six three three oh seven, but just good overall. Uh, he can play all, all across the line too. I mean, he's got experience at guard uh, on both sides as well as. Center. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing like with, with Joey Hunt. Like he was a backup guard. He was a backup center. He he was he was useful because of his ability to play multiple positions. So when they had to cut down the roster. Uh, on game day and have guys not be active. Um, they could go with, you know, one less offensive lineman because you had a guy that can play multiple positions. Yeah, um, Seahawks need to solve that problem because Joey Hunt, it was just getting mauled, you know, he was. and he's yeah. just inefficient anchor for what the Seahawks want to do. And, you know, you got to protect an asset like uh, Russell Wilson and you can't have guys bull rushed and, and just, it was just ugly. Anyway, okay. so we've blown through the, to the defense. We, Keith. I was say we, we blew the the O line uh, after the tackles because well they're just Sorry. not as not as interesting. <laughs> um, I mean they really aren't. They're they're just not not as interesting at this stage. Um, but let's let's move over to the to the defensive side uh, because we know the Seahawks are going to spend a lot of their picks on 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 defensive players. They have to rebuild the defense, they especially have to rebuild the front of the defense and the defensive line um, and the edge rushers. So let's start. Up front, let's start there. Um, defensive tackle inside. Who do you got? I w- I have two guys that are somewhat similar, and you can. They're probably going to both go in this uh, in the second round, early second to mid to late second. Uh, Ross Blacklock, uh, TCU, ran a four nine seven forty at six two and a half, two hundred ninety pounds. He's he's really got run stuffing acumen about him but he can also uh, has that rushing pass rushing upside quickness a lot of pass rushing moves so he's kind of ready made ready to go out the gate that's why i think he goes early second Two, um, 290 though is pretty undersized it is undersized but he has played up to 329 before so he he's lost weight to to do his athletic profile ran that mm-hmm. 497 at that lower weight but it likely probably plays in the 310 range 
Um, anyway, I like him. I, I mean, he looks like he's pretty cool, and his dad's got a great backstory. So his dad played for the Harlem Globetrotters and is now their coach. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and then the, the next guy I had was Raquan Davis out of Alabama. Um, he's a totally different kind of player, a little bit more stout, 6'6", bigger, longer, meaner, um, huge frame, versatility. You know, he's got a bit of a, um, a rub on him as he's inconsistent. Um, but he's really good against the run right now, and he doesn't give you anything in the pass rush. Um, that's the downside. But Jerron Reed came out of Alabama as well. Didn't, they didn't think he could give you anything in the pass rush, and this guy is very similar. Yeah. So I went in kind of a different direction. I went looking for inside pass rushers. So I wanted guys with, with a, a, a little more explosiveness and maybe a little lighter, um, maybe a little shorter. Um, and also guys that you could get later. Uh, I know they're probably going to, they're going to sign a defensive tackle. They're probably going to draft a defensive tackle high. They may draft a defensive tackle high and a defensive tackle low. And that's kind of what I was looking at. It's like, okay, if they double dip here, who would be the second guy? The first one that I would, you know, Malcolm Roach out of Texas, um, 6'2", 297, but really explosive, quick feet. Um, like that first step is, is kind of crazy. He's one of those guys that you're not going to put out there to stop the run, but in the nickel where you're, you know, they're going to pass, you can bring him out there and he is going to collapse the pocket from the inside. He's going to be in the quarterback's face, making them move off their spot and disrupting timing. He's just explosive. Um, and in a very similar light, uh, James Lynch at a, at a Baylor, uh, six, three and a half, two eighty nine, a little longer, um, not quite as explosive, but you, I think he's also going to go a little later. And, um, you know, both of those guys are guys that Quentin Jefferson would have profiled well too. Uh, they drafted him. He was well, way undersized. They played him at nose tackle in the nickel uh, with the idea that he was going to get to uh, the quarterback. And he did a little bit, but they've also moved him around. He's He played this last year at five tech um, and was really effective in a few games. Um, and it's just kind of the same kind of player, just a guy that you can... He's not going to give you much in run support, but you're not drafting him to be a run run support. You're drafting him to help your pass rush on the inside. Yeah, nice. Um, okay, so we both kind of fudged a little bit because this is really a difficult uh, position to evaluate. You've got your base defensive ends, then you've got your kind of either 3-4 linebackers or Sam linebackers, Leos. They're all kind of run together a little bit. And a lot of the guys in uh, college football can do all of those things as kind of a hybrid, move them around a little bit. And that, so that's the way that I think both of us kind of approach this. Um, I went with Zach Bond out of Wisconsin as my edge Leo Sam kind of guy uh, first at four, six, uh, five forty. tested very well. Uh, six, three, two thirty six, slightly undersized, but mm-hmm. if you put him out at the Sam spot and have him move up for pass rushing downs, I think he's a perfect profile for that. Um, football intelligence at Wisconsin, obviously play speed, um, generated 25 combined sacks and hits his senior year, uh, 16.5 pressure rate ranked sixth in college football. Um, and then he dropped into coverage a, a lot in two years, 195 times in coverage and only allowed 120, 112 total receiving yards. Uh, that's a guy that can play Sam linebacker in the NFL. Absolutely. That's that's a great pick. Um, in that same uh, note, um, what about uh, 
Alton Robinson, Syracuse, um, and just kind of the same type of guy who can, um, you know, get upfield and uh, be, you know, just be athletic. And uh, he's, you know, 6'3", 257, so he's a little bigger, not as good in coverage, but what he can do is get after the quarterback around the edge. And he's a little bit bigger, a little bit, you know, you're going to let him set the edge. Maybe he's, he's more of a Leo, I guess, than a Sam. Uh, but what he's going to be able to do is, is, is just get upfield, get after the quarterback. Just a great initial burst up the field. Nice. Okay. What else you got? Um, so on that, that same note, I went a little further down, um, the board and, but found a guy who was, who was significantly more athletic, uh, Casey Tuhill, um, out of Stanford. He's a little old at 24. I know most, you know, you're, you're looking, you're trying to find guys that are 21, 22, um, in the draft, but you know, you take what you can get. Um, six, four, two fifty, really athletic, uh, especially at that size at two fifty. uh, can, can, you know, come off the edge as a speed rusher, can drop back into coverage if you need him to, but he, you want him up on the line of scrimmage more and less as a Sam linebacker on the way back. Sets the edge well as a outside uh, defensive end uh, and, and just does well against, uh, you know, especially against tight ends when they're trying to get out in front of him because they're the ones that are going to really good at, at, at uh, you know, uh, a rip and, you know, getting off that block uh, and getting upfield. And I just think that this is a guy that, according to his testing, is more athletic than 94.3% of NFL defensive ends. Nice. Um, which is, if you think about it that way, that's kind of crazy athleticism. That he's significantly more in, uh, athletic than NFL players. You, you got to love that. So uh, the the next guy I went with was if the Seahawks were to drop back out of the first round and early get into the early second round to pick up additional picks and value. Uh, they might consider a guy like uh Yurder gross tomatoes out of Penn state. Um, six, five, two sixty five. He is like a prototypical Leo player in the Seahawks defense, uh, size, strength, flexibility, power in his hands can slide inside. If you want him to, he didn't run the 40, uh, at the combine, so I don't know exactly where he's going to be speed wise, but I don't think he's going to be slow. I think he's probably going to end up being like a four six eight four seven zero type of a guy, not a demon speed demon, but he's got enough size where he can he can get by you and he can, he can go through you. Um, what do you think of that one? I've no, heard I, that name floated around for the Seahawks no, for a while I, now. No, I, I like that one. That's 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 a good one. Um, I want to wait until I see him run because I just I I have not uh, done enough study to be like, ooh, I really like this guy. Um, I know athletically he looks really interesting uh, for the Seahawks as a you know put your hand on the ground defensive end and not. Well, the cool it. thing about him, Keith, is Penn State kind of had him playing out of position a little bit at the five tech and at mm-hmm. nose tackle, and he is not that. No, um, he's way too small to, to do that. He's a yeah. he's a he's a seven tech. He's a Leo, um, and just good athleticism for that. But I'll tell you, if he can play the five tech um, as being undersized I mean, at college, what that will tell you is that his play strength is strong. His core yes, strength exa- is strong, and, and it is. And yes. so you put him over there at the at the Leo side, and when you're asking him to set the edge against the run he can do that despite the fact that he's, you know, a 200. Yeah. He plays guy. the run very well. In fact, he's one of the higher rated edge defenders against the run. Yeah. 
So, so let's cool. let's move let's move. So th- we're those edge guys who are, are Sam linebacker or our our um, you know pass rushers uh, from defensive end. But if we move off the line of scrimmage to the off line scrimmage linebackers, we're talking about uh, middle linebackers like Bobby Wagner, weak side linebackers like uh, KJ Wright. The Seahawks also have Cody Barton uh, there that can do both of those uh, jobs, both of those positions. Um, so we're not talking about the a position that the Seahawks need because they've got they've currently got three guys that they think are starter caliber players um, between the middle linebacker and the weak side linebacker side. Um, Depends on what it, they do with KJ Wright. It does, but I mean, at this very moment, they've got three guys. So I started. I went into this looking for guys that would be really interesting late in the draft that could develop into you know great like a really nice player. Yeah, I did and that I, too. I started with. Um, Willie Gay Jr. out of Mississippi State. <laughs> is that one of yours? Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, he's only 6'1", 243, but you, man, this guy, like, athletically is just freaking Yeah, he lit it up at the combine, ran a four four six forty. That opened my eyes. And a 39.5-inch uh, vertical. Yeah, I mean, just everything. Um, 11 uh, feet 4 inches on the broad jump. Like, he's got, standing he's got jump. some kind of... Uh, red flags on him for character and that just needs to check out you know guys like that that's why guys like that fall i mean he's Mm -hmm. got the athletic upside and the size and whatnot to be a a second third fourth round prospect and he's probably going to go in the sixth seventh round just because of those character things if seahawks check him out and he checks out it's 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 a guy that can come in and immediately be a special teams guy for you and work himself in and it's hard to keep that speed off the field it is. And um, just a guy that I, I think athletically is special. And yeah, you got to work on, is his head screwed on right? Um, but you know what, when we start talking about those, you know, character red flags, Bruce Irvin was a guy that in the draft circles had all these character red flags. And people were like, oh, he's undraftable. He shouldn't be on draft boards. The sixth took him in the, you know, in the first round because all that stuff that people were freaking out about, right. it was like, yeah, the guy had been homeless when he was a teenager, and but he's not that guy, right? You know what I mean? And and he was super mature, and and uh, he turned out to be a great teammate and a great character and a great uh, player. And sometimes, sometimes you have to take what you read in the draft media a little with a grain of salt when it comes to character stuff because we it's don't true. know That's how exactly guys right. have grown up and changed and matured. Um, because we're not in on those interviews. We're not in on those uh, profiles when, when they're talking about guys like that. So does it check out? Maybe. And if it does, go get it. If it doesn't check out and you're like, whoa, this guy could be an absolute mess, you're still talking about a seventh round draft pick. I mean, you're, you're not throwing away anything of value by using a pick on him to bring him in and go, let's see. Let's just see. Right. That's true. That's true. So my second uh, prospect was a middle linebacker, Jonas Griffin, out of Indiana State, six three, two forty seven. Um, and I looked at middle linebacker only because Bobby Wagner's getting up there a little bit. Um, we do have Cody Barton, um, but Cody's currently going to be playing, you know, somewhere else. Um, and so I thought I'd bring a guy in that we could develop uh, behind Wagner. Um, good, good block shutter aggressive special teams guy uh because he's you know athletically i think he he tests really well so that's that was it on my list that was the that was the hardest i think position group for us for me personally mm-hmm. to look at just because 
man, there's so many guys out there. And uh, I, I personally didn't have enough time to really invest my own uh, critique on, you know, by looking at guys on film and all that stuff. So I had to kind of just look at what everyone else was saying on these yeah. guys. And so when it comes to, I mean, my other one was uh, Davin Taylor out of Colorado, but again, we're talking about a guy with athletic upside, but not great tape. I mean, he's a special teamer at this point and you hope that you can turn him into um, a linebacker, but you're drafting him to be a special teamer um, or more likely not drafting him and signing him right immediately after the draft as an undrafted free agent to be a special teamer. And so, yeah, let's just move on. Um, after that, we get into another position where the Seahawks have a lot of depth because you've already got your starters um, in Diggs and McDougal and Blair. And we don't know which one of McDougal or Blair will win this starting job, but you've got your top three safeties already on the roster. Um, yeah. Well, for my list, they threw that to the wind. Because <laughs> really? I, I went ahead and picked a guy that I thought was special that that they may decide might be special and might just go get him anyway. Who? Antoine Win- Winfield. Okay. Uh, free safety and, at, at Minnesota. Winfield Jr. Um, this yeah. Is a, I don't know if, if our listeners will remember, but this was a guy who played yeah. slot corner at um, for Minnesota for years. Incredible tackler despite being not a big guy. Exactly. Um, a, a very, very good slot corner. And then came to Seattle when his contract came up and the Seahawks, they had just, this was the, at the start of the Legion of Boom, they realized they had so much talent at He didn't make it, he didn't make it out of the camp. Yeah. Winfield wasn't going to make it out of camp. So they went to him and said, you know, I think we're going to cut you. And he goes, okay, well, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. And this is, this was one of the first, the first things that, that, that gave us stuff about information about the Seahawk front office is they knew he was going to retire because he said so. They cut him anyway and then let him file his paperwork because by cutting him uh, before he did, he got to keep his signing bonus that they'd paid him. Whereas if he had retired before they cut him, he was, would have been, it would have been expected for him to give that back. So they let him keep Nice. Uh, yeah, you got a money. great memory, Keith. Yeah, that's, that's nice. So, so I liked him, Keith, because, A, I watched film. I read up on him. Uh, and I wasn't going to put him down. Um, but the more that I read and the more that I looked into it, the more that he would be the ideal f- single high free safety replacement for Earl Thomas. Yeah. And I'm not saying that lightly. And seven interceptions, 85 tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles in 2019, and 89.2 coverage grade, just as good coming up and making um, making tackles. He's a big play center fielder. He just is. He has the best mm-hmm. ball skills in the class. He's a ball hawk. He's extreme film study. Like he he watches film like habitually, just like his dad did. His dad taught him how to watch film. He watches film too. And it shows. It shows because he doesn't get beat in coverage. He, he's instinctually spot on in the choices he makes out on the field. And he directs the defense from the back end, um, just like Earl did. And he's an impressive physical player for his size. I mean, and watching him play, he just went for everything and didn't let anything get in his way to make plays. And man, it looked like Seahawks type of player. I mean, top to bottom. Yeah, so I was excited. Uh, I will, now, I will, I will absolutely give you that he is a Seahawk type player. I didn't include him uh, because Diggs is already on the roster. 
and he is the replacement for Earl Thomas. On that's yeah, I, 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 yeah, I just you know I'm okay with Diggs. I am, uh, and I'm okay with McDougald. But just being okay doesn't mean you can can't do better. And I think that that Winfield would be a better upgrade over at least McDougald on the roster. Um, and you could move Diggs into the into the box if you needed to. He's got some experience playing up uh, as a as a strong safety, and Antoine Winfield could take over that free safety spot. I'm just saying it could happen. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying the Seahawks would be foolish not to draft a guy, especially if he was available at the back end of the second round, uh, a guy that fit their mold perfectly and a guy that they thought they could go into the future with. Um, they would be foolish not to get him just because of who they had on their current roster. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You don't uh, you don't pass up on special players just because you've got some other guy. Um, if nothing else, you get them. You get the you get go get the special guy, and you find a way to get both of them on the field. Um, well, Winfield could play some slot for you. I mean, he could. He's got great coverage skills. I think he could do it. Yeah. Okay. So, so when I was looking I, I, again, I was looking for guys that that kind of fit that that Seahawk mold, and um, you know, I started looking at athleticism and all this kind of stuff, and I came across um, Jeremy Chin of uh, mm. Southern Illinois, oh. six six three two twenty one. Um, you, just a guy athletically is just, is just crazy, um, you know, in, in a lot of different ways. And then I started thinking about it and I started looking at the profiles and I went back and looked at, um, different players the Seahawks have drafted and I go, he's the safety, but he profiles as a cornerback in Seattle system. So even though wow, so I, so I wasn't, I wasn't sure to, he is, he is, uh, go look at what they did with Trey Flowers. Well, the big thing with him, Keith, is that four four six forty that changed everything for him. Yeah, because he um, was projected to run in the four five five four six range, and when he put that number down at six three two nineteen, and the and the other testing, dude, I didn't even think about the opportunity for him to transition to outside corner. I mean, that would be unreal. So, in a situation where the Seahawks go into it. Um, this year where they've got Trey Flowers and they are expecting him to take that next big step forward. Um, you could bring in a guy like Chin as a, a guy who's a natural free safety, um, but let him develop as a corner and to see if he can make that same kind of tra- tra- uh, transition that Flowers d- did um, and get ready to play. And maybe he's not ready to go week one like Flowers was. Maybe he's ready to go week six or week eight. Um, I think Richard Sherman was ready week six. Um, and you just take a chance on a guy with just extreme athletic So traits. he turned some heads at the at the combine, Keith. Where do you think that he projects in the draft? Do you, Where do you have to get him? I'm thinking you got to get him... In round three, wow, uh, he, he's going to turn. See, I was head. I was thinking he was going to go in round five, but yeah, well, you're right. I mean, before, he could definitely go that early before the combine. I think he. I, I have. That's right. I would have said right. round, but now we're talking about a guy who is more athletic uh, than ninety nine percent of uh, of NFL safeties. Um, he's that much of an athlete, and. Um, for him that you, you're bringing in a guy who, you know, can play that, you know, he can play special teams, you know, he can play free safety, but he has that upside to be a co- outside corner. Well, and he uh, has 32 inch arms too. bonus. Yeah. 
And and that right there is worth a lot because cornerbacks are worth way more in the NFL than safeties right now. Interesting. Yeah, that would be an absolute amazing kind of insight if you hit on this. That would be that would be so cool, dude. I had written down a lot of safeties. The safety class intrigues me this year. There's a lot of guys I think that could fit the bill to come in and play backup safety for the Seahawks if you don't like Hill or if you don't like Tom uh, Tom Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think the Seahawks do. Hill gets yeah. injured too much. I think they do like him. Uh, Thompson, I can't see Thompson back on the roster this year, but Pete Carroll likes him. I don't know what the deal is, but there's a lot of safeties out there in this draft that the Seahawks could look at. I wrote down another name, Kevon Wallace out of Clemson, um, as, as being a guy like a, a free safety hybrid kind of type player that could play free, strong nickel slot, move him around a little bit. Five eleven, one ninety nine. Uh, four, five, three, 40, uh, 38 inch vertical. So he's got those athletic traits that the Seahawks are looking for. The cool thing about this guy is he's aggressive. He's an aggressive tackler. He's instinctive. He's an effective blitz, uh, blitzer. He's got an exceptional grit, which gives you like instant special teams value right away. And the guy can come in and play the, the those sorts of, um, uh, positions. He's very, very valuable to the Seahawks because he could, Get ri- you could get rid of a guy like um, Thompson and not even think twice about it yeah. in that sort of a situation. But I, I did, I wrote Jeremy Chen, dude, because the comp on him, uh, I, I didn't r- write a full profile on him, but I wrote the name down as somebody I would consider uh, because he comped to Cam Chancellor. That's what I wrote down. I wrote comp Cam Chancellor just wow. because of the size and the big hitting ability. I mean, Jeremy Chen tackles and he, mm-hmm. he's a, he's he's not afraid of contact and if you put him over at corner oh my god i mean talk about like a richard sherman comp a that's, guy that's and under, that's what under, i was thinking of with a guy that size uh with that tackling ability and the yes. ability to play outside uh, obviously i don't want to comp anyone to richard sherman because sherman's special sure I mean, he's, a, he's an absolute hall of famer um but he kind of has that profile and to be we know the Seahawks are willing to take a chance on guys because they did that with uh, Trey Flowers, who had never played corner, and they right. used a safety. And they're like, hey, let's give him a shot there. And he stuck. Um, and, you know, and what happens if Chin doesn't stick? If you're like, mm, no, this isn't going to work. Oh, that's right. You've still got an incredible athlete at backup yeah. free Well, safety. he's going to stick on the roster for three or four years because of its athletic profile. And, and he's not bad teams. at safety. I mean, if he had to stick at safety, he's not a bad safety. Okay, so let's go to corner so we can finish this thing up. I My first corner um, is a guy that I just, again, kind of like Winfield, I started doing the research on this guy, and I had to write his name down, and I had to stay with it, even though he's going to go high, and the Seahawks typically don't. Uh, maybe they would for a guy like this. Trevon Diggs, Alabama, second-round guy, early second. So if they drop back, picked up additional picks, maybe they'd feel better about drafting a corner. At some point, I think they... I think the Seahawks would draft a corner in the second round if he was the guy, and he totally fits the bill. Six foot and one half inch, 207 pounds, tremendously athletic with the ball skills and the tackling and run support that you have to have as a Seahawks corner. He can do both press and man as well as zone. Um, Comes up and and hits you like a ton of bricks um, and defends the pass really well. Um, Seahawks also met with Diggs at the combine. Uh, 
So he's on the radar. So mm-hmm. why not? Why not? Yeah, I I thought about him. I mean, I honestly did. I didn't because I'm like, you're going to have to get him late round one or late round two. And I just don't see them taking a corner there. I don't either, but man. It's the same type of situation that they had with... Um, uh, they would only do that if Flowers was totally going to need to be replaced this year. And I just don't see it. But you never know what goes on inside the office. Who yeah, knows? I mean, to me, there's a, this is a pretty good corner class. I mean, if you need need a corner, this is a good year to need a corner. Um, and to go and take advantage of that and draw and and just wait because they're they're going to be great. They're going to be good players in rounds two and three. I wrote down, yeah, I wrote down go. eight names um, in, in prep for this thing, and I had <laughs> to choose. And I chose two out of those eight. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was one of those deals where, like, yeah, you could get serious talent in the first three or four rounds. I, mean, I think 20, 25 corners go off in the first three or four rounds. Oh, yeah. Um, so I went and um, I specifically looked at slot corners, not. Uh, yeah, uh, I did my not, second one. Not Seahawk stereotype outside guys which was really hard to do because there are some nice seahawk stereotype but i wanted to go a little off radar a little bit and um the first guy that caught my mind was harrison hand out of temple yeah um uh 511 197 but just crazy uh athleticism overall um you know you've got a, a his, his 10 yard split in the in the 40 was 149 which is crazy fast that means he's just really quick he's got that that sharp quickness a lot of athleticism a lot of agility um which makes him perfect to be a slot corner and he doesn't have to be the, you know the long uh you know tall guy that the Seahawks want on the outside and just the fact that you know, you look around uh, draft boards and you're seeing him in, you know, in the fourth round, uh, mid fourth round as, as far as a prospect. I'm like, that's that's a Seahawk kind of pick where they just wait. They watch all these other teams spend, um, you know, high draft capital on a guy. And then they got a guy that fits exactly what they need later in the draft. Um, it's like I said, it's just, just the same thing they did with Shaq Griffin. I could totally see them doing that. Um, and that was where I went. And then the other guy that I went um uh, Kendall Vender out of uh, mm-hmm. Georgia Tech, just yeah. he, you know, he is. Uh, I said, I think I wrote Georgia Tech, so, Georgia Southern. Um, again, five. This is five ten. He's five nine and seven eights, uh, one ninety one. But again, just really athletic uh, guy who can kind of just make it work with all of his, um, you know, agility numbers and that kind of stuff. But he also adds four 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 speed. Uh, 40 speed so yeah um, and he's got 32 inch arms even at that size yeah he just he's very sea hockey in terms of yeah he's not tall but he's got the long arms he's got the athleticism he's got the you know the the things they look for um pretty good tackler for a small cornerback too and uh i just thought that he kind of looked like justin coleman to me nice i went uh, a little deeper went uh rounds like six seven uh, mm-hmm. For a guy that was a slot corner, Takarius Keys out of Tulane, six one, two hundred pounds, ran a four four seven forty. Uh, he's a physical corner who likes to battle receivers all the way through the route. When wa- I watched the film, it's like he just really stood out as a guy that was tenacious, came up and defended the run, made plays on the ball, quick and instinctive kind of guy. Forty seven tackles, one interception, twelve pass breakups. 
Um, I like a guy like that in the slot. He'd be a slot guy. Um, I considered like, like I said, seven or eight guys. I mean, Reggie Robinson out of Tulsa, um, Demarcus Acey out of Missouri, uh, Marcus Lewis, mm-hmm. um, Lamar Jackson, Josiah Scott, AJ Green, um, Jalen Johnson, CJ Henderson. Of course, you're going to have to go way in the first round to get CJ Henderson, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's interesting. There's that, a lot that- of guys. Uh, one of the things I found this year uh, when I'm looking at this is, and we've already went with one, like these are guys with NFL, our names of NFL, a good NFL players, right? Um, Anton Winfield. Well, that's his dad, his, you know, cause he's Anton Winfield Jr. But um, AJ Green, you know, the star wide receiver um, and uh, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore star quarterback. Um, of course, we're not talking <laughs> about those individual people. We're talking about people with the same name. But I just kind of, I did find that interesting that there's a lot of uh, of that. Um, and well, Trevon ca- Diggs is uh, the cousin of the of uh, the wide receiver from Minnesota. Yep, Stefan Diggs. Um, yep. And and the guy that you um, mentioned from Tulane, um, Keys, his first name, Bo Pete. That's I don't funny. Know if that, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it's B O P E T E. Bo Pete. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bo Pete. Bo Pete the Carious. Whoa. Um, nice. So I, so, okay. So I didn't do any punters or kickers. Um, I didn't did you? No. Okay. Didn't, so let's, didn't let's, let's pass that. So what an amazing amount of information today. So that was a lot of players that at least we've we got the first sort of uh scouting done on because it's just it's a it's an arduous process this this is a process that literally takes the next you know couple months to put together before the draft so um maybe this year instead of just doing one mock maybe we do like uh one mock in march and then a couple in april just to kind of see if it changes at all or as we do more research you know how that kind of transitions a little bit oh and, um, mocks, and mocks are always fun to do i don't know if um if they're absolutely loved by people other than those of us that actually do the mock um yeah. well i, well, I think they're that, fun in the in the fact that we especially are looking so ardently for seahawks type players for each one of those spots it's 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 a nice little exercise at least it is for us um mm-hmm. and it's kind of fun you know for for everyone i think um, so what do you think of today's show? I mean, how do you, how do you think that, uh, the list went overall? I think we probably had six or seven matches together, which is, yeah, especially since a couple of them were really down, down the board guys, like six, seventh rounders. And we both picked the same name. I mean, what that shows you is that the CX have a type, right? They have an athletic profile, um, that is easy to point out. And we both just went and found the guy that has that perfect profile. Um, but Overall, I mean, we we looked at uh, all the different positions. We probably had uh, between the two of us, um, you know, forty guys. Yeah, or 30, 30, I mean, I've literally got guys. you know twenty twenty pages of handwritten notes today for today's show alone. Yeah, I, I mean, so we've got uh, this is a this is a good start. This is um, a really good start to a lot of work that you and I both do to prep for the draft, and in order to make these draft shows be as meaningful and as useful for our listeners as possible. And this was a, this was a good start. I liked it. We did so now job. we, now we transition back a little bit, swinging back towards free agency. Uh, today it came out that the Seahawks might be interested in trading for Yannick, which mm-hmm. would be very interesting. Now 
the the most interesting scenario for me would be if we i like the compensation they're talking about like the first round and then swapping second round picks i think is actually a fairly decent compensation for yannick but you're gonna have to pay him and Mm -hmm. and the the best scenario for me it would be to get Jadavian Clowney and Yannick, and then you can, go bargain but you basement. Can't afford, you can't I think you can, and the reason I'm saying you can is Justin Britt and KJ Wright. You you jettison those guys or rework those contracts, and then you pay Yannick, but maybe you can you can um, you can back out, load it slightly so the cap it this year is not quite as as big, and I think you could do it. I it would be on the high end of I think what they would want to do as a franchise and locking up two players like that on the defensive line um, at that price. But it certainly would help solve a problem. And it's a possibility. I'm just saying it's a possibility. It also could be that they would look at Yannick as somebody that would, in lieu of Clowney, they would bring him in. Which is, I think, what I've read. Is, it, that's the thing: is if if they can't keep Clowney, they'd go and make the trade for Yannick. And I, but wouldn't that trade be consummated before free agency hit? Not necessarily. Or maybe they do it, but they're what they're doing is they're getting signals from Clowney's people that he's not coming back. Yeah. Um, and so then at that point they just stop trying. Um, and they go and, and, they, and they get Yannick. What was I mean? Then that me, was a Paul, and that was a Pauline. Um, put it out there. So he's mm-hmm. got he's got some information. In fact, the details on the trade compensation were so detailed specific. that it, it's so that's specific. the part that you kind of pay attention to. Okay, so when you when you here's anytime those reports come out, I always ask who leaked it and what did they gain from it? And that right there, the fact that the compensation was leaked out in such great detail tells me that it was the Jacksonville Jaguars that leaked it out because they say, we're almost done with this trade. Yeah, come and beat it. Come and beat it. Yes. Because the idea that, uh, that you could be had for a second round pick uh, to get Yannick or for the Seahawks to trade back from their uh, first pick at 27 back into round two. So they would, Seahawks wouldn't even lose a pick. They would just tr- make that trade down that we always talk about with them to, to do to get more picks. They would just do that to get Yannick um, and just have that be built in. Like, that's the compensation. I mean, there's really not. That, that that you can do. Like, go trade with Jacksonville, move down to, what do they have, 35? Um, so you move from 27 to 35 and you get a great player. Sure, you've got to pay him, but Okay. Um, have that be part of the deal. You pay him. You've made up for the fact that Clowney's going to walk, and you did it in a way that doesn't affect comp picks a year from now. So Clowney's going to go sign this massive contract somewhere, and you're going to get a free third round pick. Um, yeah, it seems like a reasonable approach to me. Let's go get it done. <laughs> I mean, I would be happy. I, you know, I'm, I have mixed emotions about Clowney, and I will until the very end. But, um, you know, if you have an opportunity to go get a guy like Yannick to come in and give you. 12 to 14 sacks a year, man, you got to go do it. He's 25, 26 years old, man, get it, go get it done. Okay. Yeah. Young star, young star, just entering his prime. Sweet. What do you say no to? Right. So, uh, up next, I think we'll probably take a little uh, peek into free agency. I mean, I don't know what else is on the agenda, so we'll have to talk about it. But, uh, to me, that's kind of where we're going. So, um, anything else, Keith, before we head out? No, we're 
uh, let's let's head out. Let's um, we have we both have still have a lot of draft work to do, but we've also got free agent work to do. So um, let's get out of here and and go look at some more players. Awesome. Follow Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all the show's archived, and you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. So until next week, Keith, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Hawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Podcasts, or listen at our website, hawksplaybook.com. Follow us on Twitter. Bill is at NWC Hawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. See you next week, and go Hawks.